Thank you so much. So we're going to be looking today at the fact that Jesus is the truth in a world um, which is full of lies. So I just want to start by looking at a passage in John's Gospel, uh, John 18. So Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied, your own people and the chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. I want to speak today about how Jesus is the truth in a world that's full of lies. And we live at a time where the very idea of truth can feel contested. You know, it feels a little bit like a post-truth, relativistic, subjective age where casual dishonesty can be commonplace and lives are often deemed permissible for some kind of perceived greater good. And at this time of year, uh, it can feel like there's lots of companies and influencers and advertising agencies and even, you might have noticed, one or two politicians who are trying to persuade you that the promises they make are true, that you can rely on their product, their personality, their promises, and that if you just give them your attention, your money, or your vote, your life will improve. It will get better. And when there's so much information and spin and claims and counterclaims and fact checks and fact checking of the fact checks, it's hard to know if someone is actually telling the truth. We can become a little bit weary of trying to sift through it all. And it's not just companies and politicians. Uh, Pamela Meyer wrote a book, Lie Spotting, and her estimation is that the average person, if you include like white lies, it, her average person tells anywhere between 20 and 200 times, uh, lies anywhere between 20 and 200 times a day. That one third of CVs contain false information, so that's this group over here. And, um, and that actually uh, deception costs the economy somewhere around $994 billion a year. And in the light of that, you can kind of feel like, what's the point? Give up on searching for truth. Maybe it's too idealistic. It's impossible to find truth. And that's why Pilate's question to Jesus in this passage, what is truth? Does it exist? Can we find it? It's perhaps one of the most important questions we face in our age. But what if the reason that truth is so contested at the moment is just because it's so important. What if actually deep down we all long for truth? Like we want to know that the things we build our lives on, the decisions we take about relationships and careers and our purpose, those decisions are taken based on truth, not on lies. In all the spin, the noise, and the confusion, we want to build in what is true. So the first thing we might think then is that we long for truth because we desire freedom. Now, truth and freedom are closely connected. In this passage, Pilate is questioning Jesus. He's trying to find out what's going on. Like, who is he? Why has he come? Where's he from? What does he claim? And he says, are you a king? And obviously, 
We know Jesus is king because Kanye has told us. But, um, but Jesus, Jesus answers, you say that. You're right. You say that. But what I say is I've come to testify to the truth. All who are on the side of truth, listen to me. And it's fascinating. Jesus is on trial and he says the purpose for his coming into this world is to testify, to bear witness to the truth. And it matters that much. And Pilate kind of says, what is, what is truth? It's like lots of people, I think, Pilate is questioning because actually deep down he longs for truth. He wants to find those things in life that are real and authentic and that you can trust and that are true. But the irony is he's like this far away, this far away from Jesus, the truest thing, the truest person that has ever lived. You can almost reach out and touch truth. And yet he misses it. He can't quite see what's in front of it. And he asks this kind of skeptical question, what's truth? You know, is there such a thing as truth? And it's good to have questions. I have questions. It's great to have lots of questions. But there are questions which kind of draw you closer to God. And there are questions which you can use as a way of keeping God at a distance. I, um, I spoke at a university a little while ago, and it's always a bit nerve-wracking going to speak at a university because um, you're basically assuming that everyone there will be cleverer than you, and um, that, you, know, you wouldn't be able to persuade them of anything. And, and I gave this little talk, and afterwards this young guy came up to me, and uh, he, nice guy, you know, quite confident, maybe even cocky, which is unusual for a young man. And... Um, <laughs> And, and he came up and he said, uh, can, can I, um, can I oh, I enjoyed your talk, can I ask you a question? He was like, yeah. And he said, do you really believe all of that? And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, you must know it's nonsense. And I said, oh, why, why, do, you, why do you say that? And he said, well, you do realize, don't you, that um, there's no such thing as truth. He says, no such thing as truth. Why are you trying to talk about truth? I, you know, it's that moment where you thought, oh no, <laughs> um, he, he, what, what am I going to do? And I thought about it, and I thought, actually, can I, can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah, sure. And I said, um, well, you know, when you say there's no such thing as truth, do you think that's true? <laughs> and he was kind of like, yeah. And I said, okay, so it's, it's true to say there's no such thing as truth but everything else isn't true? He was like, oh. And, um, and actually, we had this really, really lovely chat. You know, me and him, we kind of then talked about life, the universe, and everything for quite a while. Um, but, the, but the reality is you can't even undermine truth without relying on it. We say that truth doesn't matter, that we're in a post-truth world, but actually we don't live like that. I want you to imagine that you've just started going out with someone, you really like them, you know, and you're kind of hopeful for the future, and then after a few months, your best friend sends you this text, and like, I'm in a restaurant, I've seen them, they're with someone else, the body language is not good, I think they're cheating on you, and they're kind of sending you these texts, you're reading these texts, and and they're like, you know, I always said they're a loser. Why didn't you listen to me? Da, 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 da. Oh, you've got friends like that too. Okay, and, um, and, uh, and you're going through it. And then anyway, so next time you see your partner, you kind of take them to one side and you say, look, they, they saw you in the restaurant and they say you're cheating on me. Is that true? It's not going to cut it if they say, well, there's no such thing as truth. I mean, you know, <laughs> truth is a tricky thing, you know. It's all subjective, you know. It's just not going to cut it. 
You know, if next week in the workplace you find out that um, one of your colleagues lied about you to your boss because they wanted to get ahead of you, and as a result they were promoted over you in the organization, and you go up to them, you're furious. You say, what, what, are, you, what are you doing lying about me to the boss? And they say, well, chill out, relax. It's a post-truth world. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to say, oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Silly me, you know, getting upset. No, you're going to be angry, and rightly so, because we long for truth. We want to build our lives on truth. Truth matters to us. I worked as a criminal defense barrister for years, and every day witnesses would come into the court and pick up a Bible, and they would say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And I'd sit there, and I'd say, we'll see about that. (laughs) Because some of them, I don't want to shock you, some of them did not tell the truth. And the truth got exposed as they went through their evidence. We long to know truth. And I think one of the reasons, it's interesting, even if you look at the younger generation, 18s to 25s, the generation that's rising up at the moment, what lots of people call Gen Z. I read a study by one of the leading management consultancies globally. And they've studied that generation. And they said this fascinating thing, secular report by a leading management consultancy. They said, Gen Z's Our findings are that Gen Z's core behaviors are all anchored in one key element. This generation's search for truth. 18s to 25s might desire truth more than any other generation. They said so much so that we think they should not be called Gen Z. They should be called true gen. Why do we long for truth? Well, I think one of the reasons is that knowing the truth enables you to be free. Jesus says in John 8, he says, abide in my word. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth really matters to God. Jesus came to bring the truth. That's why he was born, he says. And when you know the truth, you can take decisions based on reality. You've got the freedom to act based on the world as it really is. When someone tells you the truth, they kind of empower you to act based on things as they really are. When someone lies to you, they prevent you from taking a free choice. They obscure, in a way, reality from you. They obscure the truth from you, but truth empowers you, enables you to be free, to engage with the world as it really is. And that matters. A few years ago, I was out with some friends in a bar, and um, one of my friends had been going out with this girl for a while, and they were both there, and at just one point in the evening, I was chatting to him, and I was saying, oh, it looks like it's going really well. He's like, yeah, it's all right. And I was like, um, no, but it seems like you're getting on really well. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, he said, it's not got a future, though. I was like, what? And he said, it's not got a future. I'm going to split with her at some stage. And I was like, Really? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not now, like maybe in a year or something. And I was like, oh, does, does she know that? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, well, it's just, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, don't, don't listen to me. But I mean, if it was, if it was me, I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably want to know if the relationship didn't have a future. Because at least I could take a call. I mean, if she was happy with it, then that's fine. Just go out with you for a year and then split up. But, but it might be she, she wouldn't be happy with it. I don't know. He's like, you think? And I was, I was like... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I mean, you might, you might want to tell her, like, I don't know. He's like, huh, I mean, because do you think you'd want to know? He was like, oh, yeah, I'd want to know. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, like, okay. Anyway, so I didn't think anything of it. I went to the loo, and then I went to the bar to get a drink. And I was coming back to where our group of friends were sitting, and I suddenly realized neither of them were there. 
And there was this kind of commotion going on. And um, my other friends came up to me and they said, Steve, you'll never guess what's happened. This massive row has kicked off. And they're outside going at it, like screaming at each other, arguing on top of their voices just outside the bar. And I said, Things, no one can work out what started it. I was like... <laughs> They were like, I don't know who started it, what was said, but they were absolutely arguing. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit tricky. Um, uh, anyway, they had this massive argument that night. It turns out she wasn't happy about going out with him for a year, knowing that he was going to finish with her. And actually, she finished with him that night. Um, and actually, they, I think now they have both forgiven me for kind of inadvertently getting involved. But actually, she was very grateful because she was like, I just needed to know. Like, if I know, then I can take a call. Like, when you tell someone the truth, you trust them to act on the basis of the world as it is. If you lie to someone, you're trying to manipulate them based on the world as you want them to perceive it. You know, truth frees you. It's really interesting. There are a couple of ways that people can hide their truth in you. One is because they're, they're far too cruel. Um, you know, sometimes people say things about you that just aren't true. That you're rubbish at this, or you're rubbish at that, or... Um, that you'll never amount to anything or that you're a failure or you're this or you're that. And, and sometimes those lies can kind of stick to you a little bit. It's because people are being too cruel. And maybe you've got a boss who can be a bit like that or a colleague or maybe an ex. Um, but then there's also a way of kind of obscuring the truth from people when you're actually far too kind. You know, it's great to be kind, but there's a kindness that can hurt. I, I, I think about this when I'm watching X Factor. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, that someone will come on X Factor and have all their friends with them and, um, and they'll come up and they'll say, go for it, go for it. And then they come out to sing in front of the judges and they sound like a cat that's dying of an infectious disease. Like there's just, the, the, the pain is really like, it's just like, wow, that's not even a natural noise. How do you, and, um, and everyone's kind of flinching and the judges, you know, they say that was, that was awful. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. And the person, the poor person says, but my friends tell me I'm amazing. <laughs> and I want to say, they're not your friends. Like real friends don't say you're amazing and let you go out in front of 8 million people and embarrass yourself. Get some new friends. That's not a kind thing to do. So it's easy to obscure reality by being too kind or too cruel. But what I find fascinating about um, Jesus is that he is entirely truthful and yet utterly loving. In fact, Jesus is the only person who's ever lived in which truth and love were perfectly met together. You know, he doesn't kid you about the reality of the challenge. He says, I've come as your saviour. You're far from God. Your sin's separating you from God. You need someone to come and to die on your behalf. And I've done that. I'm coming to do that. I've done that for you. He doesn't kid you about how desperate the situation is. He's remarkably kind because he also says, but the reason I've come is because you are that precious to God. You matter that much to God. I've got a great purpose for your life. Come with me. Let me show you the truth about who you are and who you've been made to be. Let me knock all these lies off you. Someone once said, the truth will set you free, but first it will really annoy you. Jesus doesn't cut out the tough stuff, but he loves you deeply. And the truth isn't a concept you debate. It's a person 
you encounter. Blaise Pascal said, the truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. And when you encounter Jesus and his love for you, you can love the truth. And that sets you free. The truth about who you are, the truth about who God is, the truth about this world, the truth that sets you free to live, to love, to find your purpose. That you are so loved that Jesus came for you to pay the price for you, to win your freedom. The truth sets you free. But then you also... You know, we we long for truth because we desire freedom. But when we find freedom, we have the courage to speak for truth. What's fascinating about this passage is Jesus is on trial before the senior politician in his region. Someone who has the army at his back and an empire to support him. And Pilate literally has the power to kill him or to free him. And Jesus seemingly is alone and powerless and in captivity. But you wouldn't know it to hear him speak. Saying who he is, unafraid, not slightly concerned about the power that Pilate wields. Why? Because he knows the truth about who he is. He's heard his father's voice. He's heard his father say over him at his baptism, this is my son, whom I love, in whom I well please. He knows the truth about his identity. He knows the truth about his purpose. He knows why he's here and what he's come to do. He knows that his father's purposes cannot be ultimately frustrated because he is sovereign. And that frees him. That truth frees him to speak the truth powerfully to anyone who is in front of him with courage and authority. And I find that really inspiring. But if I'm honest, I also find it quite challenging because there are times when I find it really hard to speak the truth. I find it really hard to be honest. When I was at college, um, I had this hugely inspiring uh, politics teacher called Mr. Smith. And this, my school I'd gone to had been quite rough and it was really hard to learn but when we went to Sixth Horn College this, this teacher Mr Smith I mean he just made politics come alive um, it was so interesting he knew all the different themes and he taught it so well and you just got so wrapped up in it and excited about it and suddenly I really started to enjoy learning in a new way and I kind of study and grow and I thought it was amazing everything he taught me was amazing I loved everything about those lessons the only catch was Mr Smith hated Christians So like once every couple of months or maybe even every month, he'd go on these kind of mini rants like Christians, rah, 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 you know, this about Christians, that about Christians, I hate Christians, da, 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 Christianity is nonsense, you just go on and on and on. And um, and one time in particular, he started one of his rants, this is all nonsense, don't know how anyone believes it, da, 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 da. And then he suddenly said, I hope no one here believes any of this stuff. He went, looking around the class. And he came to me and I was like, And I I did believe that stuff. In a way, I drifted away from God, but I still really believed it. I just, in the moment, I just found myself looking down and then looking back up and kind of shaking my head. Basically saying no. Basically lying. As I came away, I thought, what have I done? Why did I do, what, what? And I realized that actually... I'd lost sight of some things that were true about God. And having lost sight of those things, I, I mattered, it mattered much too much to me what Mr. Smith thought of me. It mattered too much to me what other people in the room might have thought of me. I almost didn't have the courage or the confidence just to say the truth. 
See, I've realized that when a lie forms on my lips, it's because I've forgotten a truth in my heart. I don't know if you've experienced this like I have. You know, a, a friend of mine, Johnny, told me about a book written by uh, Bernardi and Greenwald called Blind Spots. And in that book, they talk about different colors of lies. So, um, so there are white lies. Um, and white lies are the lies you tell to people to kind of protect their feelings. So, um, so when someone says to you, uh, do I look nice in this dress? And you say, Yes. It's like a white lie. But then there are also grey lies. And grey lies um, are the lies you tell, um, which are kind of stretching the truth a bit, but it's a bit inconvenient to say the whole truth. It's not very easy for you to say the whole truth. So, like, when, um, when you're late and uh, you text someone and you say, I'm on my way, and, and actually you're still in your house, so physically speaking, you're not on your way, but... You have thought about leaving the house. And so mentally, mentally, you're in the process of being on your way. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever done that. Um, so they're kind of gray lies. And then there are blue lies. Now, blue lies are very... Uh, the other, um, there are blue lies. Blues are interesting. Blue, blue, lies, um, blue lies are where you, um, you, you, you kind of say something because you want to reflect something that you think is even more true about you. So someone says to you, did you watch The X Factor last night? And you did watch The X Factor last night, but you think, actually, you're not the kind of person who that person thinks might watch The X Factor. That's not kind of the impression you necessarily want to give them. That's not the image you want to promote. So even though you did watch The X Factor, when they say, did you watch The X Factor last night, you say, no, we're watching The Crown at the moment. (laughs) Um, And that's like a blue lie. Um, I don't know if you've ever done one of those. And then there are red lies, and red lies are like red in tooth and claw. There's really like, um, these are the kind of, Lies you tell to get ahead in the workplace, um, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're um, you know, to get ahead in relationships, they're just to seek an advantage, they're like lies in intention, they're really straight lies, you use them because you want to get ahead. But then they also say there are colorless lies. And colorless lies um, are the lies we tell to ourselves. And sometimes they're lies that we don't even realize we're telling ourselves. They're colorless lies. And we all might have experience of telling some of these lies at different stages in our life. And what I've realized is that when a lie forms on my lips, it's because I've forgotten a truth in my heart. And I have to remind myself, what's the truth I've forgotten? Um, And the truth comes in and... um, so, for example, I might, I might say a white lie, but actually it's because, um, you know, I've forgotten that actually Jesus has given me an example of how to speak the truth in love, so I don't have to worry about like, losing a friendship just because I tell someone the truth. And that kind of cuts through white lies. And then gray lies, well, actually, my personal integrity matters much more than my convenience, so I don't need to... My integrity before God is much more valuable than you know, it being a little bit inconvenient. And then blue lies, well, the reason I tell a blue lies is because actually I'm worried about my image and my, you know, my image. And actually, if I know that in the eyes of the one whose opinion ultimately matters, I have a value which is far greater than anything I could ever hope to achieve, I don't have to worry so much about how I appear. And then colorless lies, well, Here's the thing. 
if there's someone who knows me to the bottom of my soul, all of the good, all of the bad, all that I'm proud of, all that I hide away and bury. He knows far more about me even than I know about myself and yet he knows me to the bottom of my soul and yet he loves me to the sky. Then I can trust him and I can be a bit more open about, with myself about maybe some of the lies I've even told myself and allow him to shine his light on those lies. And what happens then is that in the light of the truth, all the lies fall away. See, before I... When I, when I form a lie on my lips, it's, when I form a lie on my lips, it's because I've forgotten a truth in my heart. I don't have to lie to get ahead because my Lord who is sovereign is for me and not against me and what he wants for me, no one can snatch away from me. You know, sometimes it can feel a bit scary opening yourself up to the truth. But the blades of truth are sharp but the hand that wields them is gentle. He's gentle and humble of heart. And then I can start to remind myself of the truth. Be honest with myself. Actually, in the light of who God is. You know, I, I realized I, I needed to go back to Mr. Smith, and I went back to him. And um, I, I, went, I took him out for a pint, as you do. And I said, look, I, we were just talking away, and after a while, he kind of just stopped me mid-sentence. He said, Stephen, can I stop you there? It sounds like something shifted in your life. I was like, uh-oh. He's like, it sounds the way you're talking, like um, almost like you're really concerned about making an impact in this world and helping people. Almost sounds like you've, you're a Christian. And I said, well, it's funny you say that, but I, I am actually a Christian. He's like, well, why have you never said anything about it? And I was like, why? Well, you know. I mean, I could have said, because you're a really difficult person in the class. But, you know, I said, well, you know, I, I said, well, I, I don't know. I haven't always got it right. But, but it is actually the most important thing in my life. And so that's really interesting. We talked about it a bit. And I came away from that meeting thinking, what was I so afraid of? How did I allow the truth to become so obscured that I started having to lie about things? And I've realized now that if I want to live a life founded on the truth, saturated with truth, woven through with truth. And I need to remind myself who Jesus is. Jesus, who is the truth. And because he is truth and he is truthworthy and you can trust him, you can trust that Jesus is my savior, my redeemer. Trust that he's your gracious Lord, your strong deliverer, the king of kings. He's the alpha and the omega. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the risen king. He is our hope, our peace, our joy, our love, our salvation. He is our strong deliverer. He is mighty to save. He's the truth. He's the king. And he is for you and not against you. And when you place your trust in him afresh, then you know the truth. And the truth will set you free. In Jesus' name, amen.